Reach the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here finishing up the first season of Utopia on Amazon. Yay. Thank God. (laughs) Obviously, we all (laughs) love it, and it's going to be a great episode. So, (laughs) but uh, we're going to be skipping over our Week's Watch for this week because I know it's it's weird. It's unfortunate. But today's episode is brought to you by Patreon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so tell tell Stephen Stephen tell everybody why why it is that this is episode is brought to you by Patreon. Yeah, wait. So Patreon helps us to exist. Um, helps us to pay the bills, and as a benefit of you guys helping us do that, you guys sometimes get to steer the ship. Uh, and for this episode today, uh, that was one of the things that got voted on by you, the fans. Uh, if you want to participate in these kind of benefits, you just go to patreon.com slash geek elite media uh, and see what's in there. There's some exclusives and other things like that. But more importantly, today, they have the helm. Mitch, what do they tell us to do? That's right. The Of the four options they got to choose from, the one they picked is the Geeks Watch has to talk about high fantasy fiction versus <laughs> science fiction. So what is it that... Uh, we're well, first, what properties fall into the high fiction or high fantasy? Sorry. Uh, Lord of the Rings would be the most <laughs> obvious choice. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings trilogy plus The Hobbit? Yeah. 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 I would uh, love in Conan in there as well. Conan? Yeah. That, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a good one. It's, it's a lot of sword and sorcery stuff. Yep. Yeah, a lot of sword. But yeah. yeah, King Arthur is also considered high fantasy, but basically, like, out of this world fantasy as opposed to in this world fantasy like modern day witches are not high fantasy no there you go all right yeah so like the the, the world is seeped in it <laughs> yes it is and, a different world <laughs> and is there definitions or boundaries for what's considered science fiction as opposed to just regular fiction the world is steeped in it. <laughs> yeah, it's another thing where the world is steep in it. It has to have like either futuristic or technology background to it. Like well, technology beyond our current means. I would think the technology is more key because dystopian novels I wouldn't necessarily consider science fiction, even though those often take place in future realms. Yeah. 
And there, there definitely is, like, especially nowadays with the amount of content like we have, there is a lot of things that like blur the edges of what is sci-fi and what is not. So, yeah, I would say I think science fiction as a genre ends up being more broad because I mean mm-hmm. the the thing that's cited as being the first, I guess, like science fiction novel is Frankenstein. Yeah, true. So if if we're looking at that, I mean, it's I guess, I guess it's that the the technology and things like that are always much above the time that they're written. The The only thing for that is that that's a moving scale. Fantasy is always looking backwards. We're not going to surpass that and have more dragons and be like, mm, Lord of the Rings, poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be cool. <laughs> I mean, that's what rain of fire is, right? Damn right. <laughs> More about that on an upcoming <laughs> Geekly Media series. <laughs> so, uh, what about the series that we are, we've been watching for the last four weeks? Is that considered science fiction? Honestly, I would just put that in fiction. Like, if that was a novel, I would say it's just fiction. This yeah. is just fiction. If anything, it's... No, it's not quite dystopian. Yeah, this would just be normal fiction. Because you can currently make viruses like that you you can there's nothing that seems technologically super duper advanced like i could see scientists being able to do the things that this corporation is doing so now i would not actually put it in dystopian but yeah yeah definitely a harsh look at the current reality uh okay what what are some of your favorite high fantasy fictions out there guys john john John. um i would say some recent science or some recent high fantasy that i kind of got into uh was the the name of the wind series the king killer chronicles yeah with patrick rothfuss um Mainly because it's a slightly different take on it, and it had it. It definitely has that lived-in world building that I like in any kind of fiction, as long as it like it makes logical sense. I mean, their system of magic is like I get that. Like, magic is just another thing you can learn if you study in this world. So it's very kind of Dungeons and Dragony, um, and there's definitely some supernatural elements too. But it's not super crazy. Like you're not dealing with orcs, and um, you know they have something that they would consider to be a dragon. But it's really just a really large lizard that also happens to breathe fire. But it's not like Smaug. You know, it's it's it's. I want to say it's relatable and uh, kind of accessible. And I think that's that. Sometimes when you get into really high high fantasy. It's just a crazy, like, it might as well be a cartoon, like Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy nutballs. But this is like a realistic world where you introduce an element of magic and how much different that society would be. Okay. So is there anything in particular that you look for when you're looking for watching or reading high fantasy something? Yeah, basically the logic behind it. Um, if magic is like a a natural resource or a form of energy that you know can tap into. I like when there's ramifications for like abusing that 
power where like let's say it's a naturally occurring phenomenon but the more people start using it the more it starts to affect the environment and you start having like a, a narrative of like environmental issues as well from that point i like that because it's kind of ties in something realistic with the the fantasy which is what good fiction should do anyway is just basically be a parable absolutely Mm -hmm. jessica when you're pulling reading something or watching something science fiction based Mm -hmm. that you don't want to see oh that's a kind of tough question (laughs) Because it's one of those such a yeah um, yeah basically that's, that's on the I, list. <laughs> I, I I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Like I don't want to see a lot of overused tropes. But it does help. I don't really read a ton of sci-fi though. So I just you want it. You want something that has a unique spin on sci-fi. I suppose. Like I think one of my latest things that I really like that was a unique spin on sci-fi which actually isn't even that recent was probably like The Martian just because how it really went down into the science of it and it was advanced technology yes but it seemed so reachable as well which I thought was pretty good for the genre as well and I do I think it's world building I really want really good world building too in a sci-fi fiction but not world building that sounds like it's being read from a professor. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth, do you have one genre that you prefer over the other with those two? I probably lean more towards the high fantasy than I do the science fiction. Just as a general, I, I do often find as much as there is you can do with science fiction. I feel oftentimes that authors or script writers box themselves in by trying to overly explain the science behind it as opposed to you know to a certain extent i'm willing to let go of reality when i'm dealing with science fiction or fantasy and so you don't necessarily need to explain it out to me um so i probably lean more towards fantasy because authors and screenwriters don't care they they if they want to do something in high fantasy, they just kind of do it. So. Yeah. It's fun writing too. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, do you feel that your taste in either genre has changed as you grew older? Yes. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, the, the fantasy books that I recall the most um, were of all things, Dragonlance books. Um, Dra- Dragonlance was just a whole campaign of D- of D and D, like by a few people that got written down and stretched. Um, still good, but I'm not here for that anymore. Uh, and science fiction, I wanted to have a message when I was a kid. Um, it having something cool going on was probably enough, even though I was still exposed to really good sci-fi. Yeah. So. I guess getting into what's what where where does where does everybody fall on the battle between the two if there is one? There's not a battle. They're basically I, the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I have bought a lot of science fiction books now, and I can't recall the last time I bought a fantasy book. 
Ooh. I literally don't, okay. don't know when the last time I bought one was. You're not reading enough young adult, man. Just kidding. I, say, I think that's I the biggest problem is that there isn't a lot of adult fantasy being written recently. There's some good mm-hmm. classics, but nobody's doing adult fantasy. You can find adult science fiction, but for a lot of the fantasy, it's young adult or it's classics. I- I think I read an adult fiction maybe four years ago, and I'm totally blanking on what it was. Too, the one, but that was actually really good. The person I would have pointed to was the same one that John mentioned with Patrick Rothfuss with everything. Like that's good fantasy. The only issue is he, he has Georgia R. Martin disease, and those dudes are just never mm-hmm. going to put out another book. Either of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I were going to yeah. say a goiter. <laughs> and the endings are hard, but. Like whatever, and then there's also I like the ones that kind of blend the the two as well. Like I think Star Wars is actually both a sci-fi and a fantasy, in a way. You have elements of the Force, which is not technology-driven; it's more magic-driven. And you also have even Dune, is a huge sci-fi novel, but it has a lot of fantasy elements. There are characters in it that are Benega certs. They're basically witches, and there's prophets and you have this extreme technology, but you also have this inner, it doesn't say it's magic, but it is magic. It just takes place in space. Like, I think that's actually fun. So you, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephen. That's okay. Your, your thought was probably more well-formed. I was going to find it along the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you took something like the X-Men movies, had they not been already comic books, would that be considered science fiction? Or would that be considered high fantasy? Because they have powers. It's not technology-based. I, it would I definitely would, be science fiction. Yeah, because it it's based on genetic yeah. mutation. Mm-hmm. And it Don't would not be high fantasy either. If it was considered fantasy, it'd be more of like the modern fantasy. I am very much here for the concept of, like, or the argument, rather, that science fiction is just the fantasy stuff of now. It's just using different tools. Um, te- technology is just magic to the people who don't know how it works. So every iPhone <laughs> user. Um, but yeah, no, like, <laughs> like <laughs> honestly, <Jessica>. like, <laughs> no, like, um, I, I think both genres, and I hate that I came to this, are better when they're put together. <laughs> because I was very mm-hmm. much on the opposite side of this conversation one week ago. <laughs> Wait, what happened a week ago? You talk. You told me about it. Oh, the, like, you, you mentioned this this concept, and the whole time I spent I spent just talking shit about Jupiter ascending being the best <laughs> version of high high fix or high fantasy sci fi. Um, and then I remembered the Dark Over books that I read when I was a kid, and so now I'm back around. <laughs> There's some good grounds for them to be blended. And I think there's some good grounds for them to be expanded farther out. I don't think science fiction has to be in space. And it often is. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I don't think high fantasy needs to take place in an alternate Earth, though it often does. Or medieval times. Or medieval yeah. times. I think there's I think there's space to expand both of those. So the I, does is Game of Thrones considered high fantasy or just fantasy? Definitely high fantasy. That'd be high fantasy. High fantasy. 
because of the dragons. Yes. Yeah, okay. and there is uh, active magic use in that world. I mean, there's in the books are much more fleshed out when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. But dude, there's like a ton of prophecies in that thing that mm-hmm. are like super convoluted until they come to pass, and they're like, oh, now I get it. Which sucks about prophecies. It's like they're there in your face, but you don't understand them till they actually come to pass. So what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> that they can be anything. That's the whole point. Nostradamus. <laughs> If Game of Thrones is fantasy at all, it would be high fantasy. Okay. But you do have that question of, is the prophecies and dragons sufficient to make it high fant- to make it fantasy at all? The thing that I think separates, in my mind, the idea of fantasy versus high fantasy is like, fantasy is like, oh, no, yeah, there's like, we live in a world with like, sword shields, some magic and dragons or whatever, some my- mythical beasts. High fantasy to me is the one where they're like, like Tantalus, fourth son of the house of this, and then they just have like a whole world that with like maps mm-hmm. and whatnot in there. That's high fantasy yeah. too. Yes, I would also say that in high fantasy, the deities or their some kind of spiritual overlords are real. Like there's very much some like godlike beings that are at play, and mm-hmm. the humans are their like their playthings. And the humans may not be aware of that, but there's definitely some strings being pulled. I think that's the the main thing in high fantasy is that there's a much bigger thing going on with all of your mortal characters just being pawns in it. Take that. See, to me, high fantasy versus regular fantasy has nothing to do with what magical elements are present or mystical elements are present, but do they dictate the world around them? Are they just a tool in an average world, or are they what drives the world? And I think that really distinguishes high fantasy from just fantasy. Because I think the question of, are there sufficient elements of fantasy, doesn't distinguish high fantasy from fantasy, just fantasy from fiction Mm. in general. Because you can have an Arthur, and if there's no Merlin in the story driving the the force, if there's no mystical creatures driving the world in the storyline, King Arthur's just an average fictional medieval king. I feel like we've had that mm-hmm. recently. Ah, uh, shoes. It had the guy from Sons of Anarchy as Arthur in it. Yeah, the Legend of the Sword. Or yeah. Legend, Charlie Oliver. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Hunnam. Yeah, I don't think that had any magical elements in it. And so then Arthur is no longer fantasy for in yeah. So to that point, then, high fantasy and fantasy is the difference between uh, destiny and determinism? Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's put it on the dust jacket. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this. For either genre, is there a medium that you feel it works better for uh, on average, like science fiction movies as opposed to uh, books or vice versa. Fantasy has to be books. Fantasy lives in books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Game of Thrones definitely proves that. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're getting better at fantasy in movies or in visual mediums, but yeah, no. Fantasies live in in books, and science fiction definitely 
does not come across as well in books because it, it does tend to come across too technical in books. Mm-hmm. You can visually show all of the mechanisms that are described over 12 pages in a book, but reading those 12 pages of technicality sometimes bogs you down in the storyline. I think I typically stayed away from the, that side of sci-fi personally. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's like a lot more present in other sci-fi that people read. Cause I don't think I ever hit that one. Except the Martian, but I, I wouldn't have put the Martian in science fiction. Honestly, I would have said fiction. Well, look at the time machine. Like that's a very dry book, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's made a couple of interesting movies. So it's mm-hmm. definitely a much more visual medium because some things are better seen shown than described, especially the way that the narrator described things. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. described and described. Yeah. And other times didn't describe at all. Why describe? Yeah. Think of it yourself, audience. <laughs> I'm not going to describe this. I don't even know what the hell it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about how much everybody likes these two genres, what are, what are some of the cons of the, of the stuff that you've read or watched that you don't pre- particularly care about when it comes to science fiction or high fantasy? Fantasy doesn't always have to have sex, guys. <laughs> uh, lately. That's been a late development these last 10 years. It's been all I don't know. Th- think about the, the fantasy books that you read when you were younger. There was always someone trying to bed some lady, some buxom lady in a bar. I don't know how to tell you this, but most books have that. Yeah. Genres, mystery, obviously romance, historical fiction, mm. traditional fiction, fantasy, high fantasy. Science fiction is consistently trying to bed somebody, usually of a different species. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just got more graphic about Thanks it. Though. Covers. Um, Sci-fi still really sucks at writing women in general. Mm-hmm. Just fantasy is getting a bit better. Sci-fi still is not that great at it. I think the biggest con is they try and make it too relatable. Yeah, trying and fit it in our normal world so that the audience can directly relate to the characters mm-hmm. as opposed to really differentiating. Yeah, if you if you want to hear a good example of this, you can check out our Love of Pages podcast on the novel Artemis. <laughs> hey. uh, if, uh, for for sci-fi, I don't think it has to be militarized. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Now, if you ever want to see something that kind of crosses the line to where you can't really tell for sure if it's fantasy or science fiction. There's a really interesting like '70s cartoon called Fantastic Planet. Um, I think it was yeah, it was like a French cartoon that was originally called Savage Planet. But that thing is so nuts <laughs> that it, it it's it's it borders on psychedelic with how crazy some of the visuals are, some of the ideas in there. Um, like they it, they essentially have human cockfights where they attach like a lizard to their abdomen. And then just run at each other. <laughs> it's it's a really crazy, like, John Carter of Mars level, like, what is going on. It's a mm. totally lived-in world that takes place in far in the future of humanity. And it's just, 
like it, it would be difficult to classify it because the technology is so advanced it borders on being high fantasy mm. even though you know that it's supposed to be technological advancements they're just so far beyond the comprehension of the human characters that it might as well just be magic and i think Sorry, you just remind me, yeah. I think also Star versus the Forces of Evil is also a good example of kind of sort of sci-fi, but also fantasy, because the character has magic, but she has magic because she's from another dimension, and they do portal hopping and dimension hopping, and there's even, like, the dimension of time and everything, so it's a, a really interesting mix of both a sci-fi concept of dimensions and portals and a fantasy concept of actually having magic to open those portals, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely say that I am a more fan of sci-fi than I am of high fantasy, but I think the one of the problems I have with uh, sci-fi more often than not, even though I do like some of the stories that come out of it, is that when they just try and take a story that already exists and then just throw in some sci-fi element and it's like, oh, now it's a completely new story, like. You know, uh, uh, this is the first thing that popped in my head. Not the greatest example, but uh, Treasure Planet, right? It's just Treasure <laughs> Planet, but in outer space and animated. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I'll give you that. I, um, you know, I just feel like they do that. They go to that well too often. Live, die, repeat, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Edge, Edge, Edge of tomorrow? tomorrow. Whatever. I think they changed it, didn't they? I can't remember. Edge of Tomorrow yeah. is a good... Yeah. It's, it's Groundhog's Day, but... The original, the original name for that, the manga, was already perfect. I don't know why they changed it. I have, oh, I you have need the manga. Oh, you yeah. need no, I don't know if I can find it. I haven't read it yet, but I do have the light novel. So look, look, look at the the monsters or alien things in that one. It's so different. Anyway, I'll sorry. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, okay. Anything else that anybody would like to uh, bring up in this subject? Before we move on to our uh, review, John, do you have anything like substantive? Because I'm only going to ask one question of everyone after. Um, I just think it's uh, sci-fi and high fantasy are the the peanut butter and chocolate of fiction, and they <laughs> they seem like they don't go together. But when you mix them just right, I mean, you have a beautiful concoction. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Why I don't like high fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> You want a chocolate? I don't like, like chocolate. I don't like chocolate as much. I forgot this about you, Mitch. I love you. Me neither. <laughs> all you need is pill. <laughs> but uh, for um the the question I was gonna ask everyone is uh we all watch a lot of things here and read a lot of things here. Um no. what's a like a sci-fi or fantasy thing that you guys would recommend to people? Oh, why it's do you have to ask the hard questions, Stephen? You want just, just pick one. Just pick one. <laughs> it's okay. I, I can. I can do it. Um, high fantasy. Yeah, high fantasy. It's technically a new adult, which is a genre that never really broke off. So, like, your characters are like in their lower twenties. Um, the series is the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. I highly recommend it. It's a seven book series. It's very good, and one novella thing. Um. Seven books. I'm gonna have to think a little bit longer on sci-fi. John, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, a sci-fi or fantasy thing, or both, if you got them, that you would recommend to people. Um, 
You know, I would recommend um, books by Michael Crichton. That would definitely fall in science fiction. Because I remember when I first read Jurassic Park, it was such a different experience from the book. But complimentary. Because I felt like you got to learn a lot of the backstory that you don't see in the movie. Uh, and it really just fleshed out and enriched the whole experience. And you could really understand a lot more of the concepts, which is what good science fiction does, is it extrapolates current understanding of technology and then takes it to like the next level, which is what I think good science fiction should do. And this, I feel like, you know, Michael Crane's just always really been good at that. You know, some of his writings a little, and also want to give thanks to Michael Crane for introducing me to the idea of conspiracy theories. Um, <laughs> the, the Lost World had a whole session where Ian Malcolm just talks about nothing but different conspiracy theories, and it blew my mind at the time. My thirteen-year-old yeah. self was like, "What is this that he's talking about?" It was pretty awesome. Mm-mm. Classic for me. It is young adult, but I do think it stands the test of time for audiences. Is Aragon? Oh. Then now that's the one that was written by a kid or something, right? It was originally when the first book came out, he was 15 years old when he wrote mm-hmm. it. And there are it's a four-part series. Mm-hmm. And it definitely I think stands I definitely think it stands uh the ability to be read for all ages. Okay. I think the last thing that I read that was straight up sci-fi was a book called Infected by Scott Sigler. It's all alien invasion stuff, but it's the aliens are the size of a virus and it, you know, kind of falls to earth and uh, starts to take over people's minds, turns some people into to, to zombie-like characters and others into a um, uh, host sort Mora's thing. And uh, it was just a interesting book because the 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 book itself kind of goes in a meta way where uh writing like the words the type ends up changing and and as a one one of the characters start to uh succumb more to the aliens so what about movie or tv series that's, that's, that's what realm. i was trying to think of of sci-fi or high fantasy movie or tv series that i've really enjoyed as of late um vagrant queen yes. the witcher the you well, guys I mean, got me to watch one uh the, the one where like you go you can put yourself in another body i can't remember altered carbon upload yeah, altered carbon oh, oh, altered yeah. carbon Alter carbon was that was really good yeah yeah uh, at least the first season was really good i didn't like the second season what about that is it devs Devs is good and not good. Like that show was a little too much out there for me, but I love the ideas that kind of burn that whole thing. So Steven, what is the thing that you would want to recommend to people? I guess um, the one that I was talking about earlier, um, those were the dark over books. Um, It's a mix of both. That that whole world, it's it, it catches it scratches both itches. Um, it's a whole bunch of sci-fi stuff. People have like telekinetic powers in there, and then it has one of my favorite concepts in any book I've ever read. Even though I know it doesn't work out in real life, uh, <laughs> in that world, 
they have um, a rule where any blasters or any ranged weapon is mm. illegal. Any normal guns, illegal. Um, oh, like obviously people can use things for hunting like bow and arrow or whatever, but if you use it like as a weapon of war, it's illegal. It's super duper bad. Um, and so you have to use a bladed weapon and the yeah. bladed weapon can only be up to a certain length. Um, because it, you, if you are going to harm somebody else, you have to put yourself within harm's reach as well. And as a little kid, I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I know that wouldn't pan out in real life, but I still like it. Okay. I, like it. I agree. I'm going to read that. <laughs> I, I think you'll like them. They also have, because they're 80s sci-fi books, um, heavy romance elements. Oh, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of chest heaving. Ooh. <laughs> Biting lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All I can ever think about for that is, uh, do you remember in A League of Their Own when they're teaching that one uh, lady how to <laughs> read and she's reading the romance album and she says, milky white breasts. <laughs> what are you having her read? It doesn't matter. She's reading. <laughs> uh all right, there you go. You two can steer the ship, as Stephen put it. Make us talk about what you want us to talk about. If you are one of our patrons, go to patreon.com slash Media and become one of our patrons on the... I think this is part of the... Not Divination. Guardian tier? Sure. You can go and, read them on the, on the site there. Yes, you can read them. So... Uh, cool. Let's get into Utopia. Last two episodes, seven and eight. What are they called? They are called Talking Hurts and Stay Alive, Jessica Hyde. Uh, these two episodes had the best use of music throughout the entire series. Okay. There was yep. a lot and nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I say... I don't think the bad guys are wrong. <laughs> so let's get into that. His master plan, and I use that purposely, is to make it so that the next three generations cannot reproduce. That was what it was in the end. Uh, the flu killed off the kid or killed off a group of kids definitely minuscule in the amount of the global population but everybody is clamoring for the vaccine to this flu and that vaccine is going to have a omnivirus as he put it that will essentially sterilize everybody for the next three generations how do you do that yeah yeah so when you sterilize everybody, you've killed off the human race. Like you need to sterilize about two thirds to get what you're lo- what he's looking for. Like yes. he hasn't. Well, what I also assumed, and, and I don't think this is pre- this is definitely not presented in the material, is that what you're going to get is you know when no one's uh, birthing anybody anymore, uh, science will then kick in and be like, okay, well we need to start cloning. And then only the rich will start cloning. So then you have just 
certain peoples that are allowed to reproduce. I don't know. I I feel like they're supposed to be hanging their hat on so, the idea of like some like controlled release sterilizing thing. I don't like after three generations, it's going to be like, oh, no. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been three generations. Let's stop now. <laughs> and that's the most bullshit thing I've heard in a long time. What three generations if everybody's sterile you yeah. have to assume that some people won't be sterile <laughs> like that it just it clearly has to have a lower equi- efficacy rate than 100 percent. because if it has a 100 percent efficacy rate i'm sure it doesn't i'm sure i'm sure 70 percent of the people it only works on or something like that i mean it's oh. good. What? No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just coming to a shitty realization about what would happen. Okay, go <laughs> you, for it. Continue. No, that's, that's it. it. That there'd probably be like a thirty percent of the people that the the sterilization doesn't work, and thus they get to reproduce. And Stephen's thinking about anti-vaxxers. Yep, yeah. <laughs> they would be the ones who survive. We're gonna get a bunch of like like QAnon flat earther like troglodyte motherfuckers that All survive. All the conspiracy theories. Oh God! They would say they were right. Everybody would be anti-vaccination because only freaking anti-vaxxers are having kids. That's why Wilson Wilson turned because he's like, my people will rise. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Well, there's still so those few settlements in the Amazon that are still like untouched by Westerners or colonizers that Mm -hmm. probably just not even realize anything happened. Good. <laughs> I hope that dude let let them be free. They're pure. So and and I get that I am like jumping way far ahead to the very end. This is fine. But we now have two semi opposing bad guys, and I'm trying to decide who's worse. Is it worse to sterilize most likely about seventy to eighty five percent of the population, or? To genetically alter the human race to take out all bad impulses. <laughs> and which turn one is worse? I'm not sure which is worse. Both bad. Both both baddie bad. Both yes, bad. both bad. Yeah. Both bad, but like you I have would, to have a big bad and I don't know. I would yeah. say that the blue fairies uh, plan is the worst one. <laughs> you're taking Probably. away people's right to choose yeah the interesting thing is that they basically split up the deeper portrayals of lucifer the devil mm-hmm. into two characters with this explain extrapolate so there's the idea of the war in heaven where um basically uh lucifer was like no no, no I, I would make sure they come back there's no choice they'll go they will experience life and come back and be good um but then in that one, in that same idea, you also have basically the entirety of the idea of like living removed. Procreation is meaningless, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you're just going there, doing the thing, come right back. Okay. okay. <laughs> I could see that. Is that going to lead to something more specific in the second season do you think steven i don't know man i like there were bright points in these last few episodes where i was like oh no they might actually go somewhere and then at (laughs) every turn like immediately when they when they turned a corner it was like no never mind (laughs) but 
I do hope there's something interesting that comes from the introduction of the second bad guy. The one sentence that wasn't a good sentence, but did give me hope was where she said that she's split from the other previous bad guy and he doesn't know it yet. That was doesn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. So is Christy, Mr. Rabbit or is agent Milner and Christy, both Mr. Rabbit. I think Christy is Mr. Rabbit. The problem is, is Mr. Rabbit isn't actually the only bad guy. That's yeah. the thing preventing Jessica Rabbit's father from enacting his and the Blue Fairies plan, master plan. Because Christy's probably telling them, no, you don't get to genetically mutate the entirety of the human race. We're going to do this little social experiment so I can prove to you that you don't need to alter children. You just need to provide them love or not love, depending upon their purpose. You don't actually have to genetically mutate them. And instead, we're just going to sterilize them. So Mr. Rabbit is controlling Jessica's father, and therefore he's the bad guy, quote unquote. But we also see that Milner also has the tattoo or the branding. So we're told earlier in the show that Mr. Rabbit has that branding, which we also see that Christy has. Mr. Rabbit is like Banksy. This idea that's been assigned to one person is several people. Mm -hmm. It's a collective. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I also feel like it's, it's as much as I liked the show, I, I think it was a bad cop out to just introduce Milner in the inn as a second bad guy or also cooperating with Christy kind of thing. Like we only got mm-hmm. her in the one episode before this when they went and met up with her and that's even halfway through the se- se- series. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh no, she's also a bad guy, which I assume and this is a complete assumption that in the second season, you find out that she is the mother to Jessica Hyde. Like, cause, uh, at least the egg donor. or at least the egg donor, but Jessica Hyde father was quote unquote, her partner at the FBI. Oh yeah. And they, they just used what was handy to yeah. make this conduit. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, I just, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for, I not so much the twist, but just the fact that it was her. I guess. Uh, now the last twist of the of the, sh- the series is that Jessica Jessica Hyde's father is still alive and in the basement of drawing 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 more utopia or dystopia or a third comic book. What yeah. what what's what's the pia for this one, guys? <laughs> Utopia. <laughs> you did it, John. I mean, that, that would work since the crux is these fruit bats in Peru. There you go. It's all that's coming the, around. That's the best joke John's ever made, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> I'm honored and uh, ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I peaked. It was. I, I'll, I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving now, how do we, yeah how do we like uh arby's turn from lawful evil to chaotic neutral in this yeah how how does everybody feel about the quote-unquote redemption of the arby character or now known as john john I thought is it, it, was it earned is it earned does anybody feel anything about him 
So it not dude, a that, thing. Yeah, uh, uh-uh. and it was supposed to be super cool. The whole fight scene he had with the weird Matrix twins and whatnot, but like, <laughs> it didn't play well. I don't know. It didn't I feel cool. I don't know that he's supposed to be redeemed. Oh, it's true. Yeah, he's just with the other people. He's. I think he's just. He's gone against Christy, but he's still with the home or Harvest. He switched evils. I don't even think it's that. I think he's just realizing self-determination. I think that's all this is. He hasn't decided whether or not he's going to be good or bad. He's just recognized that Jessica allows him to create self-determination, which is the first time he's had that experience. I think the fact that, you know, I agree with you, but I think like the idea that he's not, He's no longer just killing people that he's being told to kill. He is making a determination as to who to kill on his own. Right. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, guess, I guess, yeah, I'm just coming back around to what it is you said. So, there I was you- like, what agenda is he furthering now? Because he was obviously doing things to further Christie's. Now it kind of seems like he's doing it for himself, but. He just let Jessica hide directly into Milder's hands, on uh, Milner's hands. So, like, who's steering the ship behind Arby? Nobody. John. That's the thing. Arby is Arby. Now, John has now discovered that he can steer his own ship, and he's got no clue how he wants to do that. And nobody's ever given him the tools to figure it out. So, he is definitely just kind of playing in the dark, being like, yes, you deserve to die. Yes, this makes sense. You die. Mm-mm. No, you can live. Okay, you've asked to go home. I'll take you home. I really did think more was going to come like a bigger double cross kind of thing from the idea of him taking Christy there. Because it was Which so was not sudden. set up at all. Yeah. It was the most abrupt thing possible. When they first <laughs> yeah. dropped him there, I was like, those are his kind of glasses. That's like one of his trademarks for the show. But like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. That I mean that's the thing. You you've built a destructive killing machine who's never experienced love <laughs> and who's finally realized that he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I also I I don't know if it, it was a a budget thing or not, but it's definitely a uh turn the trope on its head kind of thing because the idea is that you're going to get this big old scene where they have to storm the Christie compound and grab, you know, Dr. Christie and then torture him and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it's just, Oh, he's at our doorstep bow wrapped, you know? So I, I, I stand by my previous prediction and I think it came true in this. He's just Siler from heroes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he, he, this whole the idea that he he has a personality change comes from when he read the Utopia book, right? Yeah. And the you the now we now know that he sees himself as the brother character to Jessica Hyde. Any possibility that he actually is genetically related? I, I hope so much that he's not, but I do think that they treated him like they did and named him in the way they did because of what he's from. If we're following the way that this the narrative of the show goes so far. I think you had a little bit too much vagueness in there for me. What like 
the the idea of you have like the son of a king who was put away in some like like tiny faraway town and he was treated uh, like shit because he was destined for greatness but then he rises from it i don't think he's going to rise from it but i think they were trying to shove him away okay yes. No, did it uh, irk anybody that they had that massive shootout right outside that house and nobody heard it? They were using suppressors. That's not how suppressors work, though. <laughs> like, they, I, mean, like, I thought that too, but it's like, no, that's not reality. Not too many people have ring surveillance. <laughs> I mean, true. Someone, someone is somewhere on their phone right now just going, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm doing did you see this happen? <laughs> you have to take into account also that this is a house that, you know, was being run by a person that worked for Christie. Who's to say that the houses around that house weren't also Christie's houses? That's fair. Then you know, why didn't did one of them show up? I'm not saying they lived in there. No, oh. no. I, I honestly, I'll take this one. Was that was the other guy that actually did get a shot into Arby? Was he from that van? Because I don't think yeah. he was. I don't I think, think he was. He was. I you he was think cool. he was in the van? I thought he was I in the thought van. He was. We'd have to look again. Yeah, because if he wasn't, then he just would have been one of the neighbors. Which would play into the idea of Christy owning the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I do have to say that the scene of getting rid of all the vaccines was Stupid. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Why not just light the place on fire when you first get in there? Like, why all the destroy, like, I mean, trying to destroy the vials? Because it set off the sprinklers. The whole setup. Yeah, you needed, like, explosives. You really needed to demolish that whole thing. And yeah. they were just not prepared. Bring C4 or something. <laughs> I was confused that wh- why you there just, were any gunshots when they lit the little thing with the bunnies on fire. Oh yeah, why why shoot the bunnies and then also well, so they they don't you don't want to be cruel to them and like let them burn yeah, to death alive bunnies to burn alive yeah I guess yeah, I don't know don't you know <laughs> why are you so mean, <laughs> I, so mean? I, at the end of the day I mean same end result I get the idea of the uh, suffering and whatnot I mean, haven't haven't you ever had to put an animal down I mean it's, there's humane ways to do it. I think mm-hmm. the other thing is, is if a fire alarm had been put out before the last bunny died, you could at least guarantee by shooting them that the bunnies were dead. I guess it's true. I don't know. In, in my mind, I was just like, well, maybe that was for those like llamas or whatever were in there. But I don't think the bunnies had that or the, the llamas had the stuff in them. No, not, not to our knowledge. Also, I mean, I know I don't know anything about building viruses and stuff, but do are they usually built in eggs? Is that a thing? Yes, okay. yes that's, that's how the flu vaccine is also made. Is an that is did not know that. That is why the U.S. government owns five hundred thousand chickens. That's it. Only five hundred thousand. Five hundred or six hundred thousand chickens. The, there's to lay eggs that can be then inoculated with vaccines. Huh. That's the stockpile. It's mm-hmm. not because they're making a giant chicken army. No, that's yeah, what they man. want you to believe, John. You're one of yeah. the sheep. <laughs> Pigeons Pigeons don't work out that well. They're not going to try it with chickens. Chickens are dumber than pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but chickens are mean. Yeah, no kidding. What is Stearns doing with one of the vaccinations or viruses? He's going to attempt to create a vaccine for the actual virus. 
is he smart enough? I There's say, some reason they cast him as Rain Wilson. I mean, wait. I don't, I don't think any of these people are smart. Single damn soul. Speaking of not being smart. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I, he's probably got the brains. The question is, does he have the time? Okay. John. Oh, so Jessica Hyde did the zombie movie trope of hiding the bite. Oh, yeah. That really pissed me off. Yeah, yeah honestly, I don't that. understand how they didn't all notice her just keep looking at her finger when asking about the virus. So there's that. But then also, she, the uh, Christy tells her the story that she's supposed to be inoculated to the the flu or whatever. So, but why is she coming down with the symptoms? She, no, I think she's inoculated to the the, the inject the other one, not the, the flu, the sterilization one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, she's inoculated against the vaccine. Quote okay, unquote, but not the yeah. flu that they gave her. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a Christie original. Christy. Gotcha. <laughs> also, how stupid is it that the father's still alive and he's still making comic books? Why, dude? Right? There's no money in the industry. I mean, come on! Like, realistically, yeah. everyone's with digital publishing at this point. There's yeah, any, I mean, like, Diamond is no longer really cooperating. Yeah, I mean, like, he would be in the book anyways. The Diamond wouldn't have anything to do with him. Like, it's true. It's like, he would be with Image. But like, realistically, look at the rendering that's going <laughs> on those pages. That's a long-term thing, and you're just not going to get your money out of that. And from what I can tell, there's no dialogue. Those books don't sell like, like you think they would. You think they'd have international appeal because there's no language. Mm-mm. <laughs> well, I mean, let's take into account how the first book actually came. Dystopia, how did that get distributed? He wrote it while in a, a sane asylum, and uh created it and then what he shopped it around to agents or did he call no. image no, the, and- the grandpa from the f- beginning of the season apparently was like selling it mm-hmm. and basically stealing the work not you know but so here's my problem with this yeah i think that was a utopia i think he did like i feel like they had to have done both yeah, how else would the other one probably the one distributing? That's what I'm asking. I think I think he's probably responsible for both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And well, I mean, obviously, Utopia never made it out because he died, but he had the manuscript. It was just you know pending you know, editorial approval or something. <laughs> but my, my point is, like, if he's still alive, why are they still letting him make more comics? Because his comics are actually the plan. It's the yeah. plan. His brain works in a certain way that it allows him to see the outcomes and the best way to, to go forward. It's just he, he can only communicate it through comic book. Now, we were talking about this briefly in a different Patreon exclusive podcast. If you want to know more about this, listeners, you should uh, check out the Patreon. Um, yeah. But we were talking about video game adaptations. And one of them was brought up, I think it was by Steven, actually, was Portal. Oh, no, Mitch did. Mitch actually oh, brought right. that one up. No, I love Portal. Okay. My Portal gun is right here. So, <laughs> uh, but there was a somebody also was like, "What do you make of that, though?" You know, obvious besides the obvious Portal stuff. Hey, that's nice. <laughs> that's a cool Portal gun. Um, and the thing is that even though it only plays a really small part in the actual game, 
in some of the backstory for a lot of the stuff that's scrawled on the walls, there's a hidden character called the Ratman, who was a scientist that worked at Aperture Laboratories who was schizophrenic. And then when the, the thing shut down, he no longer had access to his schizophrenia medicine, but he was able to survive within the walls. And that's mm-hmm. when you see all those crazy mad ramblings and pictures of aliens and the, the cube and all that stuff. It's because a crazy man that survived was like scrawling them all over the place. That's kind of how I imagine, huh? I said, what do you think he was using to, to make those scrawlings? You know, well, definitely, what? Definitely poop. it's poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, probably blood and whatever liquids he can get a hold of. Yeah. Pee pee. <laughs> cake frosting. I mean, there was a lot of cake in there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, like, I kind of see Jessica Hyde's father as being something like that now, where he's just a schizophrenic man, and this this may be the only way he can communicate now is by these abstract, you know, drawings that represent what's actually happening. I just don't like it. I feel like leaving that as a big reveal at the end was both kind of surprising, but also extremely obvious in a way. It's hard to explain. This this crosses some really weird boundaries of like it's almost good. But no, it's really not. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's okay. I guess that brings me to the last question is how did everybody end up with this season, this series? Uh I enjoyed it all the way through, but obviously as we we've, we've gone these last 4 weeks, my cohorts here have not enjoyed it. But has anybody changed, deviated from <laughs> I hate it less. That's <laughs> change. I think That's at the know. beginning, at, at the beginning, I was probably really psyched about this, and it just got diminished per episode per episode. And some of these surprise twist endings in some of the episodes were just so far removed from any setup, like the narrative jumps that you have to take to get to where some of these things end. I was just like, what? And I just ultimately the story, uh, I like the conspiracy idea behind it, but the way the story is actually being told just left a lot to be desired for me. Okay. Yeah. This, it feels a lot like it's just heroes put in a blender with Lost at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, You've you've got the artist, you've got this like Siler character, you've got the the bad guys who you think of the bad guys, but there's also this other guy, or this this other person who's got their own like insular community, like it's it's just those two things for me. Stearns is totally hero. <laughs> just <laughs> Stearns like yatta. <laughs> He's got the unbridled happiness when he wants it. <laughs> I only survived the show by convincing myself that all the bad guys are aliens that just got a copy of Through the Looking Glass and a couple of old psych books and decided they were going to take over Earth. That is the only way I survived this stupid show. I mean, I, I'd be okay with this concept. Yeah, like, I'm, I don't hate this. Again, I'm with, I think, everyone else here where it, in the middle, I was very done. And then at the end of this season, I am less done. I don't <laughs> make us do the second season, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All it right. makes me interested to watch at least an episode or two of the original show when to I, see what they saw. Yeah. Same. 
There you go. Uh, in two weeks, we will be starting up the Mandalorian season two. So next week, you guys, uh, our listeners need to tune in to find out what it is we'll be talking about so that you can uh, also enjoy it. But uh, if you want to talk to me about any things that we talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchpedia. G-E-M-G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Steven, where can people find you online? Uh, you don't have to come find me. Um, do me a favor and go over to geekelitemedia.com. And there was a story posted recently that was written by one of our very own people here. Uh, it's very good. I've read it. I suggest it. Okay. Jessica, do you know what it is that he's possibly talking about? Where can people find you online? I do. You can find me online as JM Bailey writes on Twitter. And there is a link to a short story I wrote as well as on the Geek Elite Media page. And it was inspired by a very awesome drawing that somebody on this podcast also did. <laughs> so. John did that drawing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. John, where can people find you online? <laughs> I am on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. No prompt this time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to talk to me about the show, let's, let's let's deal with some real conspiracies. That's what I was gonna say. That that was John's real beef with this show. It didn't its conspiracy theories just weren't realistic enough for him. So. <laughs> yeah, John, I mean, where's the where's the crop circles? Where's the aerosols in the air? The the, the contrails, chemtrails. Like the, the, <laughs> there's there's good stuff out there. I don't know. This is disappointing. John, is there an Aubrey Plaza movie this week? It's been a couple. Mm. Uh, there will be, actually. I'm planning on watching Dirty Grandpa. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, she's barely in that movie, but okay. It does matter. I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she Elizabeth. makes her scenes count, is what I know. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. And check out our website, geeklymedia.com, for archives of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. And as it's been mentioned several times in this podcast, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash geeklymedia to become a patron. You won't regret it. Also, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us so it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to... This concludes our broadcast. 